covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman jumping on for episode 112. We've got our week 11 NAL rebound here, giving you all things about those two excellent, extremely entertaining football games from this past weekend, both coming down to the wire, both absolute big storylines to talk about in each. Uh, I really can't wait to break down all of that, and especially with the guy that I sat on in our uh, Discord chat room with the entire time. So we definitely, uh, you know, we don't always jump on. I'm Sometimes I'm busy, sometimes he's busy. But uh, let's bring in my co-host, uh, course, and graphics video extraordinaire content man himself, Jim Mernier. As uh, Jim, you can very attest to this that, you know, it's just you and I riding solo on our uh, chat room discussion for these games. I mean, when I say fascinating and extremely entertaining quality arena games, great finishes, uh, down to the wire, can't look away TV, mm-hmm. definitely took away some of the sour taste from last week's news um, when you have Saturday night that brought some really entertaining arena football. Some of the best in recent memory, honestly. You had a mm-hmm. walk-off in Orlando. You had one of the biggest comebacks in NAL history happen in San Antonio. You had two two different storylines, four different teams going different paths, different ways, teams catching on fire in Orlando. West Texas has a lot of grit. They fell short. A lot of things happened that game. A lot of questions in San Antonio now with the offense, especially that second half. And in, in Carolina – they were going toe-to-toe, back and forth. A couple of mistakes in the second half resulted in Orlando winning. So it was a interesting way of arena football having its moments where you think a game is sure enough decided, can flip on a dime so quickly. Or bar ball, or fumble, or it was crazy week. It had everything. I know every every bit of arena that you want out of a game or two. Well, in a game was present in both contests that both kicked off seven o'clock Eastern. Although, as we do jokingly talk about the Preds, it is more of the start of the show, and then you get a big you get that grand pre-show that they put on in Amway. So, more like seven seven thirty if we're doing that kind of split. Still, you got to watch simultaneously two excellent football games play out. Although, if you were watching that first one with San Antonio West Texas. Maybe some of you left early. You might regret it later when you look at the box score. We'll talk about that game fully in depth and in detail. Uh, but first, we always do league news and, of course, give you some of our uh, our bits on news from our show. So we're going to dip into that first. Um, by the way, subscribe to our channel here or follow us at Inwalls Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube page. Uh, hit that subscribe button on our YouTube page, by the way, and click the bell builds morale. As we say on one of my other shows, and you also get to make sure you're not missing our two weekly episodes every week and highlight videos, by the way, the gym puts out, uh, trailers, you name it. There's a lot of extra goodies and content that are on this channel besides just the show. So you definitely want to hit that bell to make sure you're not missing anything. Also, um, and I'd love Jim to speak more on this because, uh, we've been chatting on this, but I think he's got a better say. Uh, we now have a Patreon again, totally voluntary. It's not, you don't have to sign up for anything, but if you want to give a little extra to the show, we do have a Patreon page now, and Jim can give you all those perks right away uh, as we dive into our first main week with that being active. Yeah, the Patreon, again, it's it's 
if you want to contribute to the show, come right ahead. Uh, little things, it's like a tier system. Uh, each tier has different things, but all of our content is free and it will be up on all of our platforms for free. Don't need to pay anything for it. This is just us to like start, in my opinion, get collections and properly like go after some giveaways, uh, take giveaways. Um, we can do it on ourselves, but I, there's people out there have reached out to us and said, I'll, you know, here's 20 bucks here. And we, we were saying, no, we don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to put it in good use. So the, the tier system, the patron, just three different tiers. Um, everything's free. You get, en- you get entries and contests, ticket giveaways. And also one of our tiers, you basically tell us who you want us on the show to interview. And you guys get the exclusive extra interview, maybe 15 minutes after. But the initial interview would be on the show. So you can still get it free. Uh, it's just something fun for us. This is not mandatory. This is not required. This is just, if you're willing to, we most appreciate it. It's MWALS Plus. The description's on the bottom. MWALS Plus, patreon.com forward slash inside the walls podcast. Again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not going to deal with that, everything's free. You'll get everything. And you'll get the special interview of the player that's, the tier three in our, our Patreon, but you won't mm-hmm. get it on YouTube until two weeks after the interview was completed. So there's perks again, the Patreon, but at the same time, still all free content for all of our users. And of course our discord discord's active, very active in the last couple of last couple of days, uh, especially with the news from up North and the announcements that the NH uh, NAL just did with the week 12 adjustments to the NAL schedule. Uh, two games, deja vu almost in one game. Uh, Cobras travel to Jacksonville on Monday night football. I would play the video, but unfortunately, a lot of people ask me, it's like, we love your hype videos, but why are you not getting dinged by YouTube? Because those musics are, that music is allowed for creators to use. The Monday night football theme is not. Yes. <laughs> I tried it on my, my other account. It pinged it with a strike, so I can't put the Monday night football theme. Uh, for that, for some Carolina and Jacksonville. And also the Deja Vu game, West Texas goes back to San Antonio this week, Saturday at 6 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, for round three of a Wild West showdown that has been very entertaining in both matchups. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, previous show, rivalries don't begin with two teams like, hey, we're going to be a rivalry. Something has to happen. And it kind of happened this past week um, in the Freeman. So those are the, the, the adjustments. Uh, the remaining of the 2023 schedule will be announced on Monday, May 26, by the National Arena League. Uh, there's some adjustments. There was a game previously scheduled this week, West Texas at Fayetteville. That game has been uh, postponed slash canceled. Don't know yet. But Fayetteville and Orlando are two teams that are not playing this week. They'll have a bye there are two games Saturday night and on Monday night this week in week 12 action of the National Arena League. For more information on the National Arena League, please visit nationalarenaleague.com or visit or follow Inside the Walls podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook for most up-to-date information on the National Arena League from the sources that are in the National Arena League. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, it does take a little bit of time, and again, you have to balance – a lot of different, I think, venue changes, you know, team preference and how that balances out. Um, 
plenty of discussion on the amount of weeks in terms of, you know, can you get equal weeks? Because remember, we still have teams that are 14 weeks or 12, you know, so that's, I think, its own topic. I think that, you know, what is the proper amount to end the season now that you're down to six? Um, there were rumors about possibly slapping another team in there, but, you know, from Jim and I talking to, between each other, it doesn't sound like that's going to be at all a thing happening. So it's going to stay to six, most likely, um, unless some surprise happens at the last minute. Um, but they're just trying to find the best way possible for it because I've seen, I've seen someone, I've seen a few people go, why are you just releasing one? Well, let's just focus on one, give a little bit more breathing room. Cause I mean, you got a lot of calls to make and so many entities have to get yeah. in the know on how to do logistics for this. So Agreed. they'll get it done, but give them some time to work this stuff out is all that people are trying to put out there. Also, you, know? you got to remember schedules takes months to make, right? And, and we already had to do one redo this yeah. year, and now you're doing one midseason. Which again, last show when we were talking about this, I didn't want them originally to get into this scenario because that is that is hell on the teams and the mm -hmm. league to do it this way. But this is where we're at. So now you, it is going to take a minute to get mm -hmm. this done. I mean, if they get it done in two weeks, like kudos to them because that's that's its own props to get half a season reorganized and possibly new dates or things like that. You know, we already see one of those changes is we have a Monday night game now in care with going to Jacksonville, which, you know, that was, we don't that, was, have, that was always a Monday night game. No. Okay. I, I missed that. <laughs> I misread that then, but <laughs> it's because of the, we have a concert here in Jacksonville on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and Monday is the only available day. Never um, mind. Well, yeah, but, but still, yeah. Um, Sorry, I have a jab to uh, jab to on that. No, nope, no, nope. yeah, no. It's good to correct me there, so uh, I because I need to be quiet. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, it's that game. That game is uh, has always been scheduled. I think there's another game later in the year that I think is a Saturday game in Jacksonville, Saturday afternoon game that might be changed. Don't know yet um, because of the schedule change. But I've heard a couple things about the schedule. Heard some interesting matchups that could occur again um, in Jacksonville, probably a, a rematch of the top two teams is one thing I've heard. Um, so little things, uh, the schedules, again, the stuff that you're hearing people say right now on the chat boards and uh, Twitter and Facebook, it, no, it's, there's nothing been finalized. What usually how schedules are done, uh, especially during the off season, there's multiple drafts that are made of a schedule of open and available venues then the owners have to vote on such draft they like, and the draft and the draft that gets majority of the votes by the owners is the one that gets you know uh, put forth. So there could be one that has you know intriguing matchups that that are regionalized, and there could be one where it stays to the form schedule that we have, and it's just little alterations. But nothing's official until the owners approve it, and nothing is official for week 13 and beyond, but week 12 games are confirmed and announced. And of course, NEL posted that on social media platforms for those two games, which are the West Texas Warbirds visiting San Antonio Gunslingers again. Um, they did play last week. They're going to play again um, Saturday at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. And the Carolina Cobras traveling to the Jacksonville Sharks in the uh, in Vice Arm Veteran Memorial Arena. On Monday night for Monday night football. All right. <laughs> and again, the, to clarify, the originally scheduled Monday night football yes. game 
that I totally forgot about, as you can tell. Anyhow, um, so we at least have one that's been reconfigured, resorted. Um, more coming out next Monday. Uh, for the meantime, though, time to kind of dive into what we've been wanting to, you know, kind of, I guess, nerd out about a little bit is uh, last week's two very entertaining National Arena League games, two fun, fantastic football games. We'll kick things off with the Wild West Showdown over – Oh. Well, my, my I, I was I going with the earlier. <laughs> there, I was going to say, kick things off the Wild West Showdown uh, over in over in Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio. Um, again, I, I hinted as we were leaving into the news piece. If you uh, if you left in the if you left in the second second half, like going in the third quarter, hey, I wouldn't have flacked you because it was at one point it was looking pretty dire. You know, we saw we saw the uh, gunslingers go up by a heavy more margin there. Uh, San Antonio, let's just say that a 33 point comeback doesn't always happen. Um, the Warbirds definitely pre- preserved and not only through, I think just really quality defense that came up clutch in several of their possessions, but also the fact that they had to switch up the quarterback because Mish kid did get knocked out early in this one was seen as, uh, as broadcast crew Ralph, Ralph and Phil over there, those good, the good guys that we uh, our buddies with over in San Antonio were pointing out. Uh, kid was put was seen in just a jersey with no pads going into the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to go reserve, going to resort to Jordan Gandy starting, and give credit to Gandy. He you know did have to take some completions where needed, um, but he did a lot of the work on his feet. Did a lot of uh, really good work, just kind of keeping the offense moving by evading in the pocket. But you've seen a lot of these highlights here. If you're watching on YouTube, a lot of San Antonio mistakes. Defensively, the Warbirds were on top of it. Multiple forced fumbles. You have interceptions that got in the way. Warbirds did what they needed to do to keep it pace. But at the end of the day, it took one really pro catch from Khalil Rashad to set things up for what would eventually be the game winner. And as you can then see, the Warbirds were right at the edge of the goal line. One possession, one shot. Trayvon Shorts can't pull it in. Clock runs out. Game's over. And, you know, I've, I've got to give praise to some folks out there because they have been defending Trayvon Shorts. Shorts did so much in this game. It doesn't come down to just his one catch. But in the moment, man, that one, that was gut-wrenching for me to watch, Jim, because it was it was perfectly placed. Gandy put it right where he needed it to. Both hands on the ball, right in his chest, just has to come down with it. That game's over right there. Weber is almost automatic from XPs. They would have ended the game right after he dropped that kick. Yeah. Uh, really, honestly, even though the results were in favor of San Antonio, Trayvon Schwartz, in my opinion, was the MVP of that game. The guy had 38 yards of rushing. He had two touchdowns. The guy also had multiple I can say multiple recoveries for fumbles. The guy scored a defensive touchdown. Yeah. And the only thing that may people will bash him on is he, he dropped the catch. He dropped the the game winning catch in the end zone. But when you look at this game, San Antonio got out to a big lead. I think it was forty five seventeen. And I noticed this in a lot of teams around the league. Teams that have big leads, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, you know, take the foot off the gas and give up a possession, maybe two possessions, but you're still up. The, you're still up by 20 points. You're going to win that game so handily. The body language I saw from San Antonio in that second half 
told me more than just that the second half and the comeback for West Texas. It told me that they're worried about the team right below them. The Jacksonville Sharks, who are six and two. They're a game behind them now in the standings. But it tells me that they're they're playing tight. And teams that usually play tight against teams that they should handle. They're not I'm not saying they should blow out West Texas. I'm saying that you're seven and one, West Texas is two and six or two and seven. You should by record control the game. And they were in the first half, they were dominating this game. They were pulling, they were getting turnovers, they were getting bar balls, they were getting exactly what West Texas did to them. And the and the great thing about this game, um, Philip uh, Philip on the announce on announcers made a quote that was perfect. What they did, what we did to them in the in the first half, they can do to us in the second half. And they did. And West Texas did something that no other NAL team has done, and that's make a comeback of great proportion. San Antonio was up 45 to 17 with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was 49, 45 or 49, 47 West Texas, West Texas scored 32 unanswered points. If West Texas would have won this game, it would have been the biggest comeback come from behind victory in NEL history. Still, it's still very impressive. And you see West, uh, San Antonio fans like, oh, we at least we won. Yes, but you also collapsed and you were lucky to survive. Trayvon Shorts held on to that ball. You're, you you would have lost that game. West Texas in the second half played a team out of their mind without their starting quarterback. That's what's impressive. Gandy put him in good positions. His mobility, his scrambling mobility opened up certain plays in that game. But also give credit to West Texas' defense. They got two crucial turnovers that turned up to be scoop and scores, one by Trayvon Shorts and one by number 50. Completely flipped the game. I remember I was talking to Zach in this game. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Now, San Antonio needs an answer. And right when I said San Antonio needs an answer is right when Phil, uh, Arvell Nelson fumbled the ball the second time. Mm-hmm. And it stunned me. Yeah, my, like, Mike Gant, Mike Gant's return really number fifty is who you're referring to. Gantz, yeah. That that one definitely was one that's like, oh my god, is this uh, destiny? Mm-hmm. Like, are we just are we watching just fate kind of weave its web yes. a little bit? And you know, we were close. It's just that mm-hmm. you know you do have, and this is this is one other comment. You know, we talk about the broadcast crews, and I think talks around the league. You know, because I saw a lot of folks when we you know, when we talk about the when we talk about this one going. Ah, uh, yeah, San Antonio walked away with the win, but they don't feel very good, you know, seven and one. But they're kind—I of, saw someone say frauds on one of our on one of the pages that we follow. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll take the words out of folks over on our buddies of the Smoking Guns podcast, where you know, on the flip side, yeah, you got to give them credit; they found a way to win. Now that that is to be said, you do see wins like this, and you go, "Man, we did just want." I mean. This is the, the type of stuff like you and I talked after this game going, you know, they're seven and one. They're finding ways to win. They have a talented roster. Mm-hmm. But is that this is where we nitpick on later in the year. You got the guys that blew you out of their your own building a few weeks back that have not had any sort of game like this all year where it's had to be we're clawing our way to a finish. 
know, they blew them out by almost 30 in their own building. And I think that's where we look at this because I thought this was going to be like the de facto, you know, they were going up by, they were up by 29. I'm going, all right, this is the game that, you know, yeah. they fixed all their items. We're, we're going to stop talking about having these slip ups. And the, the third through fourth, the mid third through fourth quarter, I think is the pure example of what people get concerned about with San Antonio is, you know, you can beat teams that make these mistakes or can't play perfect. Cause as you saw, West Texas, they had him dead to rights. Arville Nelson throws a beautiful deep ball to the right side of the field. Mm-hmm. And Cleaver Rashad, because he is that talented, makes us big which makes a big man pro catch, gets him down to the one, they punch it in, take the game lead, and then all I have to do is hold on for dear life. West Texas can't come up clutch when needed, and you win the game. That you know, good ga- good teams generally get those moments in their favor because the poorer teams, the the lower class teams have to play perfect every step of the way. And if you do make one slip, that's what happens. And, you know, give, I mean, the West Texas Warbirds, they get a ton of props because they continue to show that grit. And I think San Antonio gets their own right, right back. It's just that this is where we get into the nitty gritty of being like minor critiques can lead to your chance of being a champion, not being as much possible. That's where, that's what worries me for, if I'm a gunslingers fan, I'm going, man, we got to clean up this stuff. We have a good team. We're up 29. We should have kept coasting. We, we can't have a sack at the three-yard line for a touchdown and then the next drive watch Arvell Nelson throw a Rex Grossman fumble that leads for a 14-point swing. That's just catastrophic. You know, any better team than West Texas, you're done at that point because you won't even be that far, that far down. Like a 14-point swing against a better team, like imagine Carolina and Jacksonville. They'll take that lead and they'll find a way to stick to it. Now, the gunslingers have shown they can go down and come back up too, but mm-hmm. you know, who's to say that that keeps happening. You know, yes. you, you can't rely on that luck and draw forever. Sometimes that does run out. Well, and also you got to look at Jacksonville, Carolina. They haven't been, they haven't a, a been holes that big yet. They haven't been down. They haven't been blown out by anybody or run out by anybody. And also both of those offenses have the ability that West Texas doesn't have right now. They have multiple weapons that can beat you. Yes. West Texas has, they have a uh, Gandy, they have kid, they have Childress, they have Smith. They have, and I think Brian, I think his name, they have got and Trayvon shorts. They have guys, but matching roster for roster. Those other two teams have better, more experienced, bigger names in the arena game on their rosters right now. And of course, the quarterback play from West Tech uh, from Jacksonville and Carolina is a little bit better than West Texas uh, overall the overall year. Not just recently, Mitch kids having a hell of a year, but such a small, you know, part of it. It's the whole season. If Mitch kid was the main guy starting week one, I think West Texas would be in a completely different position right now. Um, I, I think, I think you're right. You know, Jordan Gandy, I'll be honest, if they have to ride with him, mm-hmm. you know, his mobility helped a lot, but he was getting it down. There were some passes. He was starting to get mm-hmm. rhythm. So I think another week under him, you can keep on kind of going that upward momentum with him. Mm-hmm. And there are pieces that, you know, are getting more comfortable. Honestly, shy Hill talk about a game he had. I mean, you know, that yeah. strip sack was massive for their comeback and he played a really good contest this game. And he's, you pointed this out during our discussion when we were on Discord that, uh, you know, he's, he's been through the ringer this year. He's been through, was it four teams yes. this year? So he's had quite the ride. 
Um, but they might have found that's another quality guy that West Texas could use that maybe other teams mm-hmm. didn't. And I think he'll stick there. He he definitely was needed on that line. Um, showed up very well at the right moment. But, you know, hell of a game nonetheless. I, I really thought they were going to pull it off. But once Khalil Rashad got that that catch, which, my God, perfect timing for a pat, for a completion because it looked like he was going to get that knocked away. Mm-hmm. And he really went up there and perfect in perfection got it, snuck that thing right down to his chest and locked it down at the one. I mean, it was he, it was a play you expect him to make, and he did it right at the right moment. That's an all-NAL play right He there. is him. Mm-hmm. Yes. He is very much him. <laughs> because if he didn't catch that, turnover down. That was fourth down. That was fourth down. Fourth down, too. If he, if he didn't catch that, that was turnover downs, and West Texas would have won the game. Yeah. That, West that, Texas uh, would have just ran out of the ball because that time, I think Gunslingers didn't have a timeout. West Texas no. may have to run ball maybe twice. And well, that was the thing as well. Yeah, they had they had killed uh they had killed on on I think it was challenges. They had mm-hmm. got lost a bit and lost two timeouts. Yeah. So, but also, let's look at the bright spot for San Antonio. They showed why they can be deadly in that first half. Well, sure. They were explosive. Defense was flying around. They were getting turnovers. They were scoring, and Arvell looked good. I had no idea what happened in that second half. They went from, okay, San Antonio is about to get that get-right game. We're, going to, we're finally going to get the game and win comfortably. And you're going to hear the people say, oh, okay. You're going to have San Antonio fans go, oh, okay, now what? we won our game by 30 points. So you can start bashing us about point differential. And then the second half, it revert back to the basic – honestly, this is by Ralph – he, um, uh, on Discord, even says like this game against West Texas is basically what the San Antonio season has been in the whole. You have your ups, you have your downs, but you find a way to win. You do that, and you have your offense explosion, and you have the the struggle, can't score points, which you saw in, in Jacksonville game. You had the offense explosion, which you had against Fayetteville, and you had the you know heart pounding, uh, down to the wire, heartbreak kid, cardiac gunslinger mentality. In the final minutes, which you've had a couple of games this year, it was all this game against West Texas was basically the whole season of San Antonio smashing to a 60 minute ball game. Well, you know, I don't like doing and the things. I don't actually like having to get to this point where we got to critique wins like mm-hmm. this because I, I get it. Like, fan, like Gunslingers fans listen to this program. It's like you're critiquing a seven and one ball club right now. Yeah. And it's leading the con and it's leading the entire league. Like, yeah, you're right. I, that is an awkward position to be in. Um, the bet, the best way I can phrase this is that it's the same feelings I felt for the Minnesota Vikings this last year, who essentially it was almost every game they won was a one possession come to the wire. You know, we got any, no matter what the level of play, like talent wise, they played, it always is down the wire. That's my feeling with the gunslingers. Like you, they'll win. Like they have, they have that winning mentality. They have the talent on that side that is not that is undeniable like you can't even you can't come to me and say that that's not a talented team because i'll be like you're lying that is a very talented team Mm -hmm. in all the pieces that they have i just keep sitting here and going man how do they keep finding themselves in these one possession like we got to claw our way to victory type of scenarios yeah all year and then when we play the sharks who have the best offense by far in the league you know, you got to play your best game and it's not there. That That's the thing that we're talking. Like we're talking end of season implications, you know, and they got to play each other later. So like, that's, 
the more we see this, we're like, this seems got to use this time when they have opponents like the Warbirds who are scrappy, but you should expect to beat. And if you get up like that, you shouldn't coast or not get into that mentality. Because I, I think a lot of my issue with how they got that 33, 32-point swing to go the other way, it almost felt like it just got complacent a, a bit. And then the defense on West Texas played well. But I'm like, man, it just feels like all of a sudden they just kind of pulled the plug and just decided to let the it just decided to let things run their course and then decide, Oh crud, we got to get back on this, on the high horse and finish this thing off. And I'm like, yeah, you, you should, you shouldn't, it shouldn't even get to that point. The good teams just keep coasting. That's the thing in arena, you know, you just keep the blowout going. So that's why we keep bringing that up. Still well, seven and one though. I can't, can't take one. that away. Still seven to one, and my buddy uh, brought up a good uh, comparison to what San Antonio is right now in college football realm of things. A couple years ago, Alabama made the college football playoffs with two losses. Everyone's like they don't deserve to be in the playoff; they have two losses, and they played a undefeated team from the Big Twelve and smoked them in the first round. Yep. And I'm not saying it, but it's because SEC plays, you know, it's a different ball than the Big Twelve. But he said this is what he feels like. And by the way, this is a guy who doesn't watch arena. Uh, he watches arena football. He has no fan allegiance. His team doesn't no longer exist. Um, he, he's from Tampa, by the way. Uh, but, he, but he watches <laughs> arena football because it's the only thing. And he even says, like, man, San Antonio reminds me of TCUs and the Oklahoma States and the uh, Oklahomas of the Big 12 going up against LSUs and Alabamas. In the in the SEC in the playoffs, once they find a team that ha- that can you know has the firepower, they won't match up. And I'm like, well, San Antonio is a good team. They're not a bad. They're not a pushover. But if he he made that comparison. I'm like, so who are they? Are they TCU? Or are they Oklahoma? Um, but it, it's it's a, the question is not how. The one thing you got to give the hats off. Tip your hats to San Antonio. They're finding ways to win games. That in in the professional football, that is so much bigger. Then that's really all that matters. Like I said, I, I hate being the we hate being the critiques of a seven and one team. But at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. You're still at this stage leading, and you're the number one seed. So that that is the end of the day result. So and also, you got to It's again two different halves. In the second half. West Texas, without their starting quarterback, did a different game plan with uh, with Grady or Gandy. Excuse me, not Grady, Gandy. Mobile. I think San Antonio's defense didn't understand, wasn't prepared for it. Gandy was running everywhere and throwing to wide open receivers. Also, Trayvon Shorts balled out. He basically took over the games. Like, no, I'm going to do this. He did on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that performance by West Texas in the second half is a reason why we said last week on this show, San Antonio better not sleep on West Texas because if you do, they're going to beat you. They literally almost beat you. If Shorts would have just held on, it's a different story right now. But San Antonio's finding ways to win games. West Texas is in that mentality where you lose big, you win, you lose small, you win small, you win big. They're still in that lose small category. They're still right there. West Texas is a type organization that I look at and go, they are San Antonio from last year. They're exactly the same team. 
They're going they're going to find a way to get wins that you didn't expect. And then next season, they're going to be a very lethal, deadly team in this league, to, and they're going to be someone to worry about and to watch out for. But, but also in this game, we have to mention it. We have to talk about it. The turnovers for Arvell Nelson almost cost them the game this yeah, past that, week. That's becoming an increasing problem in a lot of these wins. Yes. You know, the uh, one uh, interception a game rule we had last year is starting to become an issue. One, one to two picks and a fumble a mm-hmm. game or one pick and two fumbles or you it's a it's a little bit of a head scratcher you know because you would think that you know i know mean, he was kind of breaking some rust off last season with the sharks he had been out of, out of arena for a few years and you know he still showed up and like i said one pick but you know the production was very much building that much more so like to where you wouldn't it wouldn't matter this time though, it's, it's, it's kind of detrimental to at least trying to put teams away. Um, like this one, I think was the prime example of that. You know, again, when you, I mean, I get it one strip sack. Okay. But I mean, it's, yeah, I, get it. I mean, you don't get a grip on that football and you throw a Rex Grossman pass. I mean, first it's goofy, but you know, that's just, I don't know. feels like it's very careless. Yeah. He almost, we even mentioned on the call, I think either I did or you did is like, when are they going to bring in Robert Kent? I don't know if they're there yet. Like, really, that would have to be they take a loss, I think, and think? it's like a bad loss. Well, I think so. I, I think I still think you stick with Arvell. He's been there since the beginning of the year. And don't get me wrong, Kent knows these guys. We've talked about that. He, We know what he's capable of. We saw it last year. I just don't think you're there yet. I really do believe you leave them at now. If you keep seeing this, like next week, they are playing West Texas again. So fascinating because we're going to get a rematch. It's the same building though. So keep in mind, it's not like we're going to the hangar. Um, Gandy will be there. He'll pro- most likely, I imagine he will get the start unless kid wasn't as severely injured and they were being taking precautions on the sideline, but wouldn't be shocked if you see Gandy get all the reps this week and they get a little more creative or he gets more comfortable in the pocket, mm-hmm. you know, cause he looked, he looked all right for coming off the bench. I mean, imagine what he gets a whole week under his belt. Now credit on the opposite side. If you're the gunslingers, you'll, you could be prepared for that a little bit more and you maybe try and adapt to the run a little bit, but that'll be fascinating. If you see similar mistakes, if you see things change, like if there's an upset win this week, maybe we talk, I don't know if we're there yet, but the increase in turnovers, though, if you're if you're a Slingers fan, that is concerning because I mean, you are seven and one team, and again, you know, we're talking grander picture. You know, I know the Cobras took an upset loss. We'll talk about a little down the line, but I mean, you know, playoff field's going to have guys that you know you've played close games with all other four below teams besides West Tech, along with West Texas at the bottom now. I mean, you got to play, you got to play better football. You know, you've been kind of playing down to opponents. You got to play up to those guys if you can. And then you got to play your best ball against the top tier guys below you, like in Jacksonville. So turnovers don't help that regard. This is another bad game for Marvell in that regard. And that's becoming a trend. It's what's a, that's the, that's the problem. You're absolutely right. I just don't know. Like, that's the thing. Do you, do you pull him? (laughs) And I don't know if I agree yet, but it is tempting when you have Robert Kent sitting there acting as a backup slash head coach or backup slash assistant coach on the sideline that you can go, all right, you know, we know he's an all NAL caliber talent. Let's throw him on the field. 
see what we got. It's tempting. It was tempting, and when we talked about that, I think it was something at that dear at that time. We were like, San Antonio needs a spark. There's something not right here, but they found that they they did have a that crucial late last drive with Kyler Rashad becoming the dude catching that ball uh, in the end zone to get the to give them the lead. But it's only I I look at San Antonio. I know they're a good team. They're a team that is going to be in the playoffs most likely, highly likely. The percentage of that happening now is getting extremely too clinching scenarios, which we would have had this week. Um, but because Orlando won, that couldn't happen. But there are issues that I look at San Antonio that you do not see a lot from 7-1 and one teams in the arena game. You didn't see this from Carolina last year. When they were well, they were six and two at this point, but they weren't fumbling the ball. They weren't going. Well, they, they weren't blown. right. Go. Well, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but they were also dealing with Jonathan Bain getting knocked out, like yeah, second yeah. half of the year. So you know that was part due because they had to figure out what they were doing at quarterback well, eventually. And and two years you know, ago, Albany with Tommy Grady in that offense, they weren't shooting themselves. They were when they were beating the good teams by close margins by a touchdown or two. And when they played the teams in lower in the division who were struggling that year, they were just blowing them out like we expect from a top-tier team. Because uh, that's the narrative that, for a fan, we look at, sit back and watch this game and go, that first half game, ladies and gentlemen, what means that we're watching, talking, like this is a San Antonio that we expect. Going out there, taking care of business, 45 to 17, I was like, I even joked to Zach. It's like, this game is over. Give me the keys. It's over. And you're like, uh-oh, wait for that last. Let's see what West Texas does here on this possession. They scored. And I'm like, well, they need a defensive stop. Then they got the fumble return. I'm like, uh-oh, you got a game. Um, but also, that's the reason why arena football is such a great sport. This game, an outdoor field, would have been over at 45 to 17. No, there would have been no comeback of that magnitude yet that I know of in an outdoor game only arena football how it can switch and those nets dang those nets are reason why we had some lopsided reversal scores this year this so far this week and this year where bar balls that just completely are like the 50 yard onside kick we saw that in San Antonio we saw that in Orlando and it almost um, basically because of the rule, because I know we're going to have some West Texas fans, the rule that was called in the end zone with the ball hitting the net and then going down hitting the wall is correct. It needed, it hit, it needed to hit Rashad first before it hit the wall for it to be. That left. was actually a crucial part to that drive as well that Khalil Rashad with that fourth down catch. Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned before that, it hits that it hits the net, but if it doesn't hit that sidewall and Khalil touches it, then we're talking about it looked like it was going to be a touchdown. Like I yeah. thought the war, I thought oh, it was whoever rushed down there for the Warbirds had the possession before Kali and I, yeah. And I thought it was going to be a TD, but you know, after the replay, they were absolutely right. And it's funny because you know, credit Tate Smith. We've seen very much the vocal argumentative coach fights for his rulings and everything. But the kicker was, is it nailed the wall right where he was sitting at. There was almost no, like there was almost no argument that you could dissuade it because he watched it hit the pad 
But what's cool about it and what's awesome is the nets are so crucial in this sport. You need to use them as a weapon sometimes. And this time, the kickers are learning where if I can't get a deuce, I'm going to hit that bar because you you don't know what's going to happen. And we saw it in both games. But also, the closing moments of this game, San, even though we, we're, we're getting San Antonio, but San Antonio fans, look at your record. You're 7-1. You're up top. You're, you're moments away of clinching a playoff spot. Be the first time in NAL history, clinch a playoff spot. You're finding ways to win, but we'd rather see the San Antonio in the first half than the San Antonio in the second half. The San Antonio second half just, you know, continues to add the questions of what a lot of fans in the league are always saying about your team. Yeah, you have talent, but you have talent and you're winning games, but you're not, the record's not showing how you're not from the record. Seven and one says you're elite. Yeah. But you're playing like you're four and four, which you're not a four and four team. And that's what a lot of fans look at you and go, man, if you're a one seed, give me that and let me be let me play you guys as a four. Uh, that's the type of mentality you're getting from a lot of these fans. And for West Texas, you're going back to the Freeman next week. You got you scared San Antonio. You know you've been in two close games. So I'm not going to expect anything else different next week in Freeman between these two matchups again. I think this rivalry was established this past weekend because of the 32-point comeback that the West Texas Warbirds did. Still the largest comeback. Unfortunately, they didn't win. It's still the largest the largest of unanswered, unanswered points uh, comeback done in the league. So that's still very impressive. Without oh, I, I, their starting quarterback. I think you're going to have to, we'll talk at more length here on game day later this week, but you're, I think you're going to see both now knowing they got to play the same opponent once more. I think both, you're going to see Smith, Tate Smith and Fred Shaw this week. They'll both go to their teams and go, hey man, we you'll have Tate probably go, we had a shot that we, you know, we kicked ourselves down too hard early and we were right there in the thick of it. We can beat these guys. Yeah. And you're going to have Fred on the other side going, hey, we should have, not had to been in that situation in the first place, we got to play better. And I think that's got to be increased emphasis on his part, knowing that we haven't played our best Him basically saying we haven't played our best game. We haven't played a four quarter game mm-hmm. all year. And we're seven and one let's try and play a four quarter game against an opponent that we almost let slip out of our building with a win. So you're going to, I think you're going to see a more intense game next week. Um, you're going to see, I think, not saying I want this and I'm going to try and stay away given the fact that last time we talked about this, I, we definitely felt bad about the uh, Orlando and empire discussion on that chippiness. But I think there is the potential to put it out there that you could see because repeat talks, players talk mm-hmm. happens again, week over week, it could get chippier, but I think it's going to be a more intense contest to put it more correctly yeah. given that, you know, how things ended last time around you got to go right back down on a sim the same road trip you know back from odessa to go do it again i do want i'm curious to see how many odessa fans as i last thing i'll mention i'm done with the game here um i'm curious to see if odessa fans will do a part two of that trip down because it's, it's one thing that uh ralph pointed out on broadcast is there was an impressive amount of odessa fans out in the crowd like you could hear them on broadcast like when things were flipping the script they actually showed up pretty well which is good because you want in these road trips, even though it is a bit of a haul between Odessa and San Antonio, given that Texas is a massive state, 
you know, having the fact that you've got fans that are dedicated enough to travel that distance back and forth, San Antonio fans have done the same this year already. That's really nice. I'm really happy to hear that. You know, it was really kind of a pleasant moment to kind of hear about Odessa fans kind of getting their cheers in the crowd. So yeah, it fun, was a great, fun times. It, was, it was a great turnout, um, a great support for West Texas fans going to San Antonio. And of course, when San Antonio went out to West Texas a couple of weeks ago, um, it's from our heard, it's a lengthy drive and it's good that uh, the arena community travels with their teams to uh, posing arena. So again, happens here in Jacksonville and Orlando every year bus trip, which it's been scheduled by the way, uh, sharks fans uh, check your emails. Um, but yeah, that's something it's nice when you hear opposing fans in the arena and you're like, you can, you can tell that those are dedicated fans. Most of them are family members, but a lot of them are a fan. So it's still great to see. Yeah. Well, moving on, we had one game that ended on one hell of a note. And meanwhile, we were, while that was going down, we had a hard time, uh, trying to make sure we were keeping up with the back and forth action over in Amway with the Preds hosting the Carolina Cobras on the road. Remember, uh, something we had talked about, two things. First off, you know, Danny Southwick was signed, but as you can see on this replay here, one final question we have was, do, does Joseph Hess play? Given the fact that it's a week, Hess has been in this offense with Damon Ware for several weeks now. And sure enough, as that game started, we went, oh, they went with the guy that has a few more weeks under his belt and Danny plays backup. But sure, but after that first TD possession, they had to switch to Danny Southwick off of a week signed off the street. And I'll be honest with you, that first half, a little bit more rough around the edges. Defenses, I think, were kind of locking things down. Offenses were trying to feel each other out. Um, I think more surprisingly, the Cobras looked completely one. It was almost a 180 from the week prior. Uh, inefficient Preds defenders were getting at the ball. Delvin Randall balled out in this one. He had four interceptions on the game for Malik Henry. You know, Dwayne Hollis also getting two. But yeah, the first half in particular was rough for both sides. And eventually we saw these two get their legs second half. You know, teams were starting to feel each other out. It became a back and forth possession battle, last man standing type of affair. Who's going to have the ball last? Who's going to make the mistakes either on kick, either on extra points or can land deuces. And it did turn into a good contest in the end. And in the end, the Preds had the ball last. Danny Southwick made some impressive throws to command this offense. Again, less than a week off the street. You know, we thought he was done, done from the sport after last year and he comes in goes and slings it as given time offensive line was really good for him and they work it out darius prince does a offensive a mvp level of move at the final play muscles his way across the turf scores the game winning touchdown at the buzzer end of story that was it. I'm, there was a kickoff here. You got that they were able to maybe have a chance, but it was it. They had one possession. They had one kick to go back. Game over. Uh, hell of a game. And you see on the highlights right here. That's that Prince diving for the TD. I mean, he had to muscle his way around three defenders. You got Kenny Veal there. I believe he had Mike, Mike Green there, all trying to make him stay out. I mean, it was third and goal, and they had to hold him to hold him at the end zone, but. You, it's hard to deny Darius. Darius Prince will not be denied if he is allowed a chance. Four touchdowns, by the way. 134 yards receiving. Uh, the type of night you expect him to have 
when he's given a QB that has a good enough arm to get it to him. And Danny delivered when it mattered most. Uh, really, hell of a game across the board. Preds needed that one badly. I think the Cobras, if you're James Fuller and company, feel like they really did let one slip. And Malik Henry's got to be kicking himself because, again, you go from a 10-touchdown performance and you let Delvin Randall and Dwayne Hollis basically abuse you in the secondary all night and you lose by five, you got to be really kicking yourself. That bus ride home had to be a bit awkward for him given the fact that week over week, it definitely it just 180 was surprising to me. I didn't see four picks coming. I saw maybe at least giving up one that defense, that secondary has been coming out in recent weeks, Randall or Jenkins. They've been getting a pick or two a game. Mm-hmm. But four interceptions, didn't see that coming from Lee Henry, and it really did suede things. That's how the Preds stayed this close, and that's how they locked it down when it mattered most at the final whistle. Well, one of the most impressive things about this game was, of course, the GOAT himself, Darius Prince. Yep. Uh, 241 total yards. He also had 170 yards of receiving or returning yards. Uh, he was flipping the field for the Predators, and uh, I, I don't know how Mr. Danny Southwick does it, coming right off the the – I don't know. What was he doing before this? Coming right off the street, goes in and throws uh, five touchdowns in the, the stats. I, well, let me ask. I'm not really asking. Let me see. That's he threw for six, six touchdowns. He had two interceptions, but those were, you know, sporadic throughout the night. Six touchdowns, 202 yards passing for Danny Southwick. Uh, of course, Darius Prince, 14 receptions, 134 yards receiving, four touchdowns, big time of performance. Now, of course, Dwayne Hollis is starting to show up again in the offense for Orlando, which like we saw him up in Albany do. And Clarence C.J. Williams is getting in the mix with a touchdown as well. But also one of the things that really put a smile on my face, because uh, this really never happens, uh, Nick Hag uh, got a uh, carry for a rushing yard. <laughs> yeah. um, usually he's hitting people, not you know getting hit by people. Oh, that was pretty uh, interesting. But one thing I look at this game is like we—it's—it's it's strange. Last week we saw this Carolina team obliterate West Texas, meaning they scored 89 points. They still gave up some points, but 89 points offense just exploding. And then they go to Orlando, and it's Lee Henry three, uh, four picks. Offense has a good, some good shiny points, but Lee Henry was throwing interceptions like we saw Eli Henry last year with Jacksonville. Throwing it up on his back foot. Hopefully someone's there to catch it. And Randall was there. Jenkins was there. Just picking off and running back. Uh, crucial mistakes. Randall and Jenkins, that's secondary. Uh, we've talked about in the last two years. They have a great secondary. It's just a matter of time when they started, you know, clicking. And they've clicked the last two games. That's why they got the two wins. But what's most important about this game is Orlando's now three and five. They're now one game back of Fable for this four seed. And the four seed is in the playoffs. So Orlando's right back in the mix. We knew it was going to take time for this team to gel to find a way. Now they got a week off, a bye week. And now Danny Southwick has another week to get, get everything situated. Their yep. offense looked better with Southwick in the helm than did Huss. Uh, Darius Prance, um, Darius Prince, not Prance. Darius Prince got most of his receiving yards from Danny Southwick in this game. Uh, Danny has, again, we know Danny has experience, but it was a very good approach to this game. Um, but one thing that we saw about Carolina, even with the four interceptions, they still have a very explosive offense. Nyquan Murray had a big uh, gain 
Uh, Adam Smith had a huge uh, touchdown and in the game, like long touchdowns. So I'm not talking about no five-yard, 10-yard dunks. I'm talking about 45-yard bombs. They have an offense that can strike quick. Um, not, not because they're the snakes and you snake strike, but what, what, what was great about this game that I really loved about the, the, this was the pure arena game by both sides. The game wasn't too out of hand on one side or the other side. They both shared blows back and forth. Both had great return kickoff returns. Both had epic re- interception returns. It had everything, and it came down to the wire of a, to a man, number six, Darius Prince, who was not going to take this loss without you know, something happening. And what he did in that last play, he willed himself to that game and to that victory and that touchdown. Um, Orlando is going to be that team if they are the one seed, if they are the four seed, you do not want to be that one seed to face them. They have that type of team. But how everything's going right now in the, in the standings, they may not be the four. They might be the three. You don't know. Um, but this whole this game right here, it was a type of game last week we saw Orlando get that win. They finally got the win. Then, of course, they lost Bain. What were they going to do now with Hess or the new quarterback? Dane Southwick gets signed, and their offense looks just as good as last week. Darius Prince willed himself. Great special teams, great defense. Great game overall for the Orlando Predators. And then some of the guys I want to give a shout-out to that doesn't really get a lot of love on a lot of our shows is Freddie Booth Lloyd. My God, my man. He made a crucial, crucial play in the first half. That resulted in a fumble slash pick six. It, uh, more like a pick six, not a fumble. It can't be both. Speak English, James. You understand football. <laughs> it was a pick six. He he deflected it. It got picked off on the sideline, and uh, Randall went down and went, uh, went down for the, the touchdown. Freddie Booth Lloyd was a freaking beast in this game. Ziegler had a hard time against him. Could not stop him. Freddie Booth Lloyd was everywhere. CSA was everywhere. Nick Hag was getting open shots at the quarterback. That tells me a lot about your front line and your defense in the entire game. Orlando, this wasn't going to be a one-sided affair because Orlando was getting to the backfield. And we've seen Malik Henry in the past. If you rush him up front and he has to you know, move, he's not as good as he's a quarterback that's in the pocket. Give credits to them. On the other side, Zach Brown... We all we always shout out the Zach Brown, the one man band Zach Brown. Zach Brown very quietly, very quietly, in my opinion, had a better defensive performance than he had an offensive performance. An offensive performance, he didn't really. He had a, uh, I think, a couple of carries for about seven yards or somewhere around there. He wasn't really the dude like you saw in previous games, and that's, that's giving quiet night. Yeah, that's giving credit to Nick Hag and Devin Maxwell. It was it it was unique uh, how that game plan for Orlando was to just cause chaos to the backfield, the back two, Malik Henry and Zach Brown, because guys like Lance Evans, Adam Smith, Nyquan Murray, Miles Kelly had a big catch in this game and a big return in this game too. Their main weapons, their offensive weapons, are still there, but when your quarterback is getting frustrated and tackled and uh, rushed out of the pocket, you're going to cause a lot of havoc. And a lot of interceptions you saw this past week from Lee Henry, he was on his back foot or he was getting uh, um, scrambled and he hasn't moved out of the pocket. 
and give credit to Orlando. It was a great performance. They've had great back-to-back performances now. They did against Orlando. They did Albany. We, they were like, okay, that's a good win by Albany, but a bigger team's coming in there. Carolina, who just did 89 points in uh, West Texas. There's no way that Orlando's going to keep pace to pace. What they do, they completely shut down Carolina's the offense. So, Carolina still scores some points, but it wasn't the offense explosion that we saw in West Texas. That's props to Herky Walls. That's props to Damian Ware of uh, attacking Orlando or attacking Carolina at, at the right positions. Great practice, I guarantee. Right strategy to slow down that offense, and they capitalized. They got a big win, and they got themselves back into the playoff picture, especially with the final stretch coming up here in the National Rain League. Well, they, they get a bye week, I think, at the right time. Um, well, at least they should. Again, we're going to wait on the schedule because it's. I'm also referencing an old one, so mm-hmm. bear with me. Um, they at least get a bye week. We'll see what the rest of their schedule looks like at the end of the year. Um, nonetheless, though, you know, there's going to be tougher, they're going to have tougher opponents ahead. I obviously I'm assuming you're going to see matchups with San Antonio and Orlando and Jacksonville that is still to come that they're going to need this week off to definitely recoup and re gather it up. But I mean, you got, like I said, you get a win at the right, right moment. That's uh it's huge. You know, they've been looking, I think we'd been looking to see this roster come together fully and it had, and it did really well. Um, Cobras, like I said, they're going to go home and, have to not only lick their child, lick their uh, wounds, but you know we know for sure Monday night they're playing in Jacksonville, and are going to have to say you know get rid of this. It, we have arguably our toughest opponent of the year that we have to play away and on the road once again away from Greensboro, and we don't got much time to think about that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that Malik Henry is going to have to especially be that person that wipes that away. Cause again, we know what he's capable of. We saw it two weeks ago. It, that is there. He has been progressing over his time in the NAL. It's just that you can't have off nights like that, you know, and, and with how close to how close the top of the league is with how you guys were keeping up with Jacksonville and with San Antonio, you can't have an off night. And that is very much what was contracted right here was exactly having that said off night and here we are you know good kudos to the preds like i said getting a crucial win third of their season three and five right in the thick of things for a playoff spot right now um weird what's crazier to me though is that you know carolina given that given where they're at and we'll talk about this at length again game day but say jacksonville keeps on chugging they're five and four all of a sudden and you're the sharks and you're going uh wait a minute now we have to worry about our playoff standing because if they go five and go to five and four you're a half game ahead of Fayetteville and then you are only a game and a half ahead of Orlando with that tiebreaker currently being split at this moment but you know that there'll there'll be some more games of course these two will play each other and all that but if you're, I mean, Carolina, you know, that's the thing you're, you were comfortable just last week by the time next weekends, if things go a certain way that we think that at least I early preliminarily right now, think it could, you could be debating on, all right, you know, we can't be as comfy cozy. There's, we're not at this top three group right now. Now we're having to worry about fighting for our fourth spot, possibly, or keeping our third spot mm-hmm. where we're at something yeah. along that line. Monday night's going to be crucial for Carolina. Mm-hmm. If if Jacksonville is chugging on still, being Jack doing what Jackson was doing, 
and let's say Jackson wins that game, Jackson will keep space with San Antonio and gets a separation between the two and the three. That becomes maybe a two-game lead right there for Jacksonville. Um, that's pivotal, especially with when the playoffs are coming down the stretch here. You want to be you want to be the teams that are hosting playoff games, except for the teams traveling. And of course, yeah, if Carolina does drop and Orlando is in the mix, the the battle between the four is just not going to be up for grabs. The battle for three is going to be up for grabs too. And that's going to be an intriguing matchup, especially later in the year when all three of these teams possibly will play each other again between Carolina, Fayetteville, and Orlando. So there's a, a intriguing matchup of the later year, depending on how the schedule comes out, which will be announced next Monday on the 26th for the remaining of the schedules. It, it's going to be interesting, um, the stretch. Carolina's put in a situation where if they would have won this game against Orlando, they would have kept par, kept up the pace with Jacksonville and San Antonio, and you would have had that separation between the three and the fours. Now – it's the opposite. Now the three and four and five are getting closer to each other, which now, especially coming up this week uh, with West Texas and San Antonio's game, uh, it's, it's a chance for West Texas to try to get back in the mix too. Uh, it's also a chance for San Antonio to uh, wrap it up or let's say not really wrap it up, but, you know, solidify themselves as a top two team at least get a home game um, in the Freeman for a playoff. Um, but overall, this game this past week against Orlando, Caroline has some questions. But again, uh, in this type of game, Orlando just made the right plays at the right time and won the game at the right moment. And they made the biggest play at the end, which was Darius Prince scoring the game-winning touchdown at the very last game. And that's what you expect what Orlando football is supposed to be. Every possession coming out of the wire. It came down to the last possession, which was exciting. So, even though Orlando won this game, Caroline can look at this game and go, you know what? Uh, we got one more game on our road trip. Two and one in the road trip would be great, uh, especially the big win in Jacksonville if it comes Monday night next week. Uh, so that's what Caroline is with. Like, get get this game all, you know, out of the 24-hour rule, which is way past the 24-hour rule. You know, it's 48-hour rule. You got a week, a couple of days of rest, get some walkthroughs, some practice, get ready for Jacksonville. And for Orlando – you just got to wait who your next opponent is to be announced at a later date. Uh, so rest up this week and get ready for week 12 for them or week 13 for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so the, it, we're getting down to the stretch. And for if I'm Carolina right now, yeah, lick your chops, uh, lick your wounds, heal your wounds, not gonna lick your wounds, heal your, heal, heal your wounds, get some rest, get some game film, get good practice in and get ready for a test against Jacksonville. Cause you know, Jacksonville who's been off for a week, is just scratching at the bit uh, to uh, get back into it, uh, seeing that last week's game was uh, canceled by the National Arena League. So the Sharks at home, Monday Night Football, it's going to be a big game. It's also the game of the week for us for Week 12. Uh, we will have a Jacksonville Shark player on the podcast this week to talk about the upcoming matchup Monday night in Vice Arm Veteran Memorial Arena for NAL game day, which comes out on Friday. Yep. Should be fun. Um, good games coming up ahead. League is getting, uh, I think with the Preds showing off this week, that's a good sign. You're going to keep seeing, mm-hmm. you know, competitive play even down to the wire for the playoffs, uh, as we've been wanting to, as we prefer, you know, we like to see these games. I know teams won't prefer that, you know, they want to have decisive. Okay. We got that security, yeah. but you know, it keeps them on your toes is the thing. And, you know, I'm glad to hear it. If anything, um, 
you know, just good that uh, it's good for, I think Preds fans will be happy too. You know, they're, they get to have a possible chance to get back if they can first time since 21, you know, and to keep on trying to build up that and keep on getting that base built up as they've been doing. Um, yeah. Well, we'll talk a lot more at length about that. I think that about does it for our rebound sesh of all that give you our final for our final thoughts here. And um, yeah, good. Like I said, we got next week all signed up as we're talking Monday night football in arena in our arena scape, which isn't common whatsoever, but Cobra sharks. So mm-hmm. something to look forward to, to uh, start your week. And then you got Warbirds gunslingers part two, which is the new week 12 rather than Warbirds Fayetteville Mustangs. Mustangs will go on a two week buy now. Um, but fully expect I, from the sound, from what we'd assume from the looks of it, that week 13, you should expect them to play. I would highly doubt the NAL puts a third straight bye week for the team to be mm-hmm. sitting down and not doing anything. So kind of watch out for that. But, you know, Monday the 26th of June, you'll get that news and you'll get the new schedule to how these most likely six teams will end the season uh, and go into the playoffs. Um, well, Jim, I got about does it. Mm-hmm. I think that wraps oh. it up. There is one other thing that we not. forgot. <laughs> no, there's one other thing we got to talk about, and it's a, a good sign to see Mr. Bain, who is alive at the oh, game. Oh, thank God! Yes. Yeah, thank you for stopping me because I would that would would have felt bad yes. if we had to go reclip that. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Bain. They showed him on the broadcast second quarter, which you see the screenshot. Um, really glad that he's doing all right. Um, surgery, like we talked about and been reported, was successful. He was there. Um, he actually signed autographs at the end of this one, which was really nice to see. Um, he was up in the press spot or basically up in one of the suite boxes with owner, John Cheney's. You can see the uh, skulls, which represent wins for the Preds. Mm-hmm. So they have a third one coming here now with the Cobras <laughs> insignia coming on it. But yeah, he was up in the owner's box, uh, as, as, a, as being their guest. And that was a pretty cool sight on camera. Uh, got a really good ovation from the fans over there in Orlando too. It's great to see it. Um, positive that that when you saw him there doing autographs, he, he, good from what happened last week and him out there with the fans signing autographs. And we've had people talk to him and send messages in our Discord. He's in good spirits, so that's positive. That's great. That's a win. Again, uh, there's so many, there's few things in my on. There's many things that are better, uh, more important to football. But the health for Dan Jonathan Bain, especially from last week to this week, it's purely amazing of what's happened. And you got to give credit to the Orlando organization and the hospital that he attended down there for all the the care that he's getting. So it's, it's good to see Bain up on his feet and enjoying the game that he loves, which is arena football. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for stopping me before we left. Oh, that's fine. I definitely, definitely would have uh, been a that's little upset I'm myself. For, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I know. I, I appreciate it every time. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you this Friday, NAL Game Day Week 12 edition. Uh, Going to give you an update here. Of course, you'll know who we're having on as our guest of honor, if you will, for that edition. It's from the Sharks, without a doubt. So keep an eye on that when it comes up. Uh, also, again, keep an eye on us for you know when that news drops next Monday on the schedule because that will be coming sooner rather than later. So you'll want to stay up to date with that and stay up to date with us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at in walls pod, along with our YouTube page. If you haven't subscribed already until Friday, I'm Zach. He's Jim. We'll catch you next time. Uh, 
looking forward to the rest of the year. Got plenty more exciting football ahead, as we know. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned until next time. And catch this pr- promo that we always have uh, for the NAL's championship two. And I'm adding on even more so because I'm totally forgetful today. Remember one final thing, because I'm not leaving any episode ever again without leaving the obvious rule of thumb. Well, he didn't do it this week, but Drayvon keeps being a dog. Don't be a jack out of the box. Love you, Trayvon Shorts. Stay, stay tuned, guys. Feel like I'm 22, you know I'm 305 Stand out on my body, I got everybody in a job Somebody hit the light camera, let me improvise Can I get a hey. hallelujah, more moolah More peace for my medulla, the whole crew up, yeah hey. Louis Prada, John Dada, top flow Come take a ride up with the Prada I came up from the bottom You have no idea You can't swap through my story Write my name in his story oh, Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Murnier.